I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Donovan Sanders is the founder of RoyalFireLLC.com. Royal Fire is a personal development and empowerment company dedicated to pushing you to your purpose and your goals. You are a solution to a problem in the world. Let's discover it together. During this conversation, Donovan talks about his transformation to becoming the person who reminds others that you are a solution to a problem in the world. Let's discover it together. Let's get started. Well, thank you again for uh, accepting the invitation to be on the show. And because you're a speaker, you better be recording on your end too. Absolutely. That's a flag on the play. (laughs) (laughs) But what I want to start off with first is Royal Fire. We were born to elevate, empower, and inspire. What was the heart there when you envisioned the brand and created the brand? Oh, man. Yeah. So as soon as we... uh... So my wife and I, we, we operate the company together. And the one thing that we make sure we wanted to do as being, uh, you know, a man and woman of God, being you know, a married couple that, you know, believes exactly what, uh, you know, we were called to do. You know, the main thing is we don't want to elevate ourselves. We want to elevate others. Mm. And so we look at everyone as royalty. But when you begin wow. to treat people as royalty, you elevate their self-esteem to a different level. I always tell high school students when I go speak to them, if I come in here and I call you a king or a queen, how do you feel? Mm. You know, do you feel more empowered? Do you walk with your head a little higher because I called you a king or a queen? So we want to elevate that, those individuals. We want to, with that idea of royalty, you, you, know, you automatically empower them to, to know that they can do anything. Right. When, you, when you tell a young lady that she is a queen, every time you come in contact with her, immediately she holds herself like a queen. No one can just come up to her and say, any old thing and she you know she opens herself up as a queen she knows that she has a commanding voice and you know and everyone treats her as such right of course we're just you know with the inspiration we go in and you know we let them know you were built for more than what you think mm. you were kings and queens you were meant to run kingdoms you were meant to break cycles and establish you know royal, royal bloodlines yeah that's yeah, kind yeah. of where the headspace was you know with elevating power inspires you know Treat them as royalty. And this is, you know, not for enough for teenagers. This is for grown adults. I've run into men where they've never been called king before. Mm. How you doing, king? How's it going? Man, that's good, king. How are you? And you can tell, I'm talking about 40-year-old man. They're just like, hold up. It's a new thing for them. Right. That's the idea. You know, you want to elevate others to get to do better. You want to empower them to know that they can change the world. You want to inspire them to do it every single day. Right, right. And I love that. You know, and I'm going to share this with the listeners right off the back. You can head over to royalfirellc.com to just tap into the brand, tap into that energy to elevate, empower, and inspire. And you just heard uh, firsthand that there's something that's transformational when someone is reminded that they're royalty, is reminded that they're more valuable than they feel. And I love that you took the time to make that a highlight of your work and what you do. Now, faith, fatherhood, and family is a central theme of watching you work and watching you build this brand and watching you speak to others. Why do those three areas matter to you so much? I mean, it's in like all your Instagram posts. It's in almost all your talks. (laughs) Every conversation we've had, you know, it's been around those central themes. Why does that mean so much to you? 
Oh, absolutely. I know uh, with my faith specifically, that's always put that first. That's the one thing that saved my life. That's the one thing that kept me in a good space, even growing up, you know, not having a father growing up, Mm. understanding that one day I was going to get a father to raise me as his son. I didn't know that it was going to be something spiritual. Oh, wow. My mother didn't get married until I was 18, already in college. There was no father figure there for me. So I had to have faith that it was going to come. Wow. So then with that, not having a father, you know, me having two children of my own now, that is a huge staple for me because I'm a firm believer of legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a firm believer that I want my children to see me as this, you know, larger than life figure, you know, mm-hmm. that I love people, that I wanted to help people. And all I can do that, you know, I, I mentioned before, they have to see me working. They have to see me praying. They have to see me serving the community. They have to see me serving other people. Right. They have to see me, you know, interacting with other men, other women on a whole different level because that will inspire them to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to family, I'm I'm an only child, but I've my grandparents had uh, 12 children. Wow. So my mom's the baby and I'm the baby of the baby. <laughs> we're really big on family. We're really big on, you know, on, on extended family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's why I love the communities that Bernard, you and I are part of, the other communities right. that I'm involved in because I believe that family is essential. Mm-hmm. You know, not just your blood, not, you know, but your extended family. Those who want to help you go to a different level. And, you know, family is a huge part of that. Huge part of that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And faith, fatherhood, and family. And I think you just took us through the transformation that each role has allowed you to make in your own life. And, you know, I know that you're driven, you live very much on purpose, and you make intentional moves. Now, in researching for our conversation, I saw that, you know, one of your uh, top books that you tend to go to is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes. As you dive into that year after year, what, what do you usually take away and what habits would you say have shifted your life the most to where you are today? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is you know, one of my favorite books. Stephen Covey is absolutely amazing. You know, most people don't know Stephen Covey is definitely, you know, he's a man of faith as well. So uh-huh. it's interesting when I start walking through the, these habits, I'm like, man, these are, these are biblical principles. You know what I mean? Right, these, right. These are the things that everyone should be doing. The one that I pull out for myself, you know, it always begin with the end in mind. Mm. Begin with the end in not with the end in mind. And, you know, immediately when you start doing that, you start to understand that your purpose is a lot larger. So you have that goal on, on the back end. I mean, you have that goal in front of you, you see what it is. All you're doing, you're just filling in the gaps. You're filling in the spaces and you're walking, walking that vision out. Right. Every time that I read it, it always reinforces my vision. It always reinforces mm-hmm. the thing that I want Royal Fire to be as a business, as a ministry. That's something that, you know, I want 10 years down the line. I want students to come back and show me their college degrees. Wow. I want them to show me, you know, the pictures of their family. I want them to show me the the relationship with their father restored. Mm -hmm. When I read the seven habits and I always, you know, the one I highlight, even when I, because I I train the course as well. I'm one of uh, Stephen Covey's facilitators. Mm -hmm. I really try to highlight for the members in the course to begin with the end in mind. Right. On day one, where do you want to be when this course is over? Mm-hmm. Okay, now you want you want to be better, a better leader, a better father, a better husband, a better supervisor. Okay, right. write that down somewhere. And as we're peeling back the layers of these seven habits, I want you to start thinking about how can this make me a better husband? Right. When we start talking about begin with the end in mind, better husband, we start thinking about win-win. 
how can I be a better husband? So I think about sharpening the saw, pulling it yeah, all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can this make me a better husband? That's one of the things that I pull out every single time I read it. And it's revolutionized my life, man. It's changed how I how I build relationships. It's changed how I how I speak and yeah. how I interact with the community. So it's a heavy book. Yeah, and I, I love that. And I love that you you dug deep on starting with the end in mind, because I think at times, right in the middle of whatever journey, right in the middle of our startup story, we can weary in well-doing just a bit. Yes. You know, we can see the wall. We can see uh, what it costs to market our company, what the next investment in the business is yes. taken away from the family financially. And that end in mind seems so much further away at yeah. this point. <laughs> can you encourage the veteran leaders or entrepreneurs or even, you know, any listeners that, you know, are just out there and they might just be in that space of, I still kind of see the end in mind, but it looks so far in the distance that, that yeah. I don't know if I should keep going. No. And, you know, the one thing that I, um, and it's funny you asked that you say that because I was asked this question a couple of days ago. And what the one thing I tried to reinforce is you see it still. Mm. You see it. You see it. it. It doesn't matter if it's a huge, you know, tunnel that you're you're at the last stretch and you see it's a bright light in the darkness. Right. You still see a speck of light in that darkness. Understand that even in that light, there's other people that are going to be affected by your perseverance. Yeah. Other people yeah. that are going to be affected by your diligence. Right. right even right. in there, what I what I what I did when I first started, man, is contacting schools and getting nothing back and contact other people and getting no responses. Mm-hmm. I still saw that speck of light. And in that light, I saw my I saw my wife. Oh, wow. I saw, I saw my daughter. I saw them on either side of me saying, hey, push forward. Even before my son, you know, was even it was even, you know, in my wife's womb. I heard my son say, Daddy, I believe in you. Oh, wow. So, you know, for the you know, for anyone that's listening right now, you know, you may be in that space where it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. You know, you might say, well, I don't have the funds. I don't have this. I don't have that. And you're picking out the things that you don't have to get you to the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Find something that you do have that made you start for a quick second. Don't think about the end right now. Think about what made you start. And I guarantee you that light will get brighter. You keep walking forward, that light will get brighter and brighter. But you have to sometimes as you're driving, as you're driving, you know, even in, the, in a dark tunnel or anything like that, you have to sometimes look at the GPS to make sure you're going the right way. Mm-hmm. And look at that phone <laughs> to say, yeah. Hey, did I miss a turn? Yeah. And look at the direction and say, no, you're on the right path. This is just taking you a little bit, but the light is there. The light is definitely there. I'm going to push back just a bit, you know, because we're a member of this community. And I I think that many might see you and might see me and say, man, you guys make it look easy. Like we don't have struggles. Again, we were both deployed. We both face hard things. We're both so thankful and prayerful that we're still here. There's times where people are just hurting because of their self-talk. They're like, I'm the only one. Maybe no one understands me. And I I love the advice you gave. And for me, it resonated deeply. But I want you to go just a bit deeper so that people don't pretend that they're here alone. Yeah. Even with that, man, you know, I had that same mindset. Mm. I was that nobody else is dealing with what I'm dealing with. Nobody else. And, you know, to add to all of this that we're talking about, I'm still active in the military. Yeah, I'm still in a position of leadership where every single day I have to brave defeat, wanting to be a speaker and you know an author and things like that. Yeah, I get defeated daily, and it's one of those things where I tell myself, you know, are you really, are you really built for this? Can you really mm-hmm. do this? Anybody's listening, it's not just you 
it hurts. I wake up and there's some days where I look at my wife, I look at my daughter and, you know, everybody says, you know, they know. I look at them and I get, I get rejuvenated. Some days I look at them and I, I'm still not there. <laughs> and then I have to put the uniform on. I have to put this shield about this badge of honor on. I have to go in the community and, and have that, have have a brave face and saying, I'm not going through that. Right. You're not alone. Mm. You're not alone. There's so many days where, you know, I wanted to quit. I even went as far as to take in a couple of weeks off and not even thinking about the brand. I'm thinking about my gift. And when I say it was really hard to sleep because I felt like I was giving up, mm. I couldn't. I had mm. to say, it's not about you. And then that's what really jump started, you know, my journey is when I, when I started to reach out and I started to talk to you, Bernard, I started to talk to Isaiah, I started to, started to look at mm-hmm. other men that are in the same profession or that want to change the world. And I started going, okay, those stories sound similar to mine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one thing I would say, the, the biggest piece of advice, if you feel like you're alone, you feel like you just can't do it, look for other individuals that are in your same profession or your same, your desired profession. Right. And, and re- ask them. Ask them. Yeah. Like, if you're an author, I'm going through writer's block. I can't seem to get anything on paper. Have you ever dealt with this before? Yeah. I guarantee you, you will get an earful because you are not yeah. on an island by yourself. Even though you think you are, there's someone on the other side of the island <laughs> that's thinking the same thing. Or, you know, that, or that has been there, that built that boat and left the island and came back to look at <laughs> the pirates. Right. You know, right. It's, it's heavy because, you know, some people get into that headspace where they, they want to quit. Mm-hmm. And you're not by yourself. At some point in time, we all wanted to quit. At some point in time, and I'm pretty sure it's going to happen more times, you know, in the future. You're going to want to quit and stop, but don't do it. Don't do it. Somebody needs you. You are the solution to a problem. Somebody needs you to solve the equation. Yeah. Somebody needs you to, to put your input, put your variable in that equation to solve it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Yeah. I think that was valuable for you to share and, and to say. And, and, you know, I just want to uh, thank you for for saying that and thank you for continuing to serve and lead. And what I'm excited about is what you're sharing is a message that 30 years from now, yes. uh, even though there will be the natural evolution of things, you will still be doing this work. And I think people need to hear that because for many of us, we don't have enough foundational people, people we can look to and say, oh, wow, they're still married. You know, yeah. they went through their military years and they're still married or wow, He's still growing his business. You know, I remember when he only had one location and now (laughs) 15 states, you know, so I I think what you shared is deep because we need to understand that we don't get to turn the gift off because Uh, the season changed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one thing, you know, I will say, you know, even, and it's, you know, I I don't want to make it too spiritual heavy, but even if you, you know, you're not an individual of faith, understand that, that what you're doing is a gift. If you're, if you're any type of entrepreneur, if you're an author, you're a speaker, you know, whatever, whatever capacity you're in, even, at, even as a active duty individual or someone that served, the talents that you've gained as an individual that served the country, the talent that you've gained is a gift. Yeah. You know, when you talk about basic, when you talk about boot, when you talk about anything like that, those skills and traits that you've gained, those are essential. Yeah. Oh, Somebody, yeah. When, they, when they look at anyone that has served before, the first thing they see is structure. Mm-hmm. Even in that structure in itself is a talent. Come on. That, that diligence to, you know, to, to get blown up when you know you put your shoes, you know, in the, in the perfect inch by inch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, your quarters are crisp. You can, you can bounce a quarter off that bed and then you still get blown up. The patience to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'll do it again. Yeah. That's a gift. That's a talent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
it's heavy when you talk about, you know, that's why I love your podcast, Bernard, is, you know, the fact that you're, you're talking to veterans, you're talking to individuals that have worn uniform or still worn uniform. And, you know, just to go a, a level with that, sometimes you may think you want to give up because you're like, I shouldn't have got up the, gotten got out of the military. You know, maybe it was a bad idea. Come on. It wasn't a bad idea because some the gift and the talent you right. gained in your four, six, 20, right. somebody needs it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that for me, um, you know, you immediately took my mind back to a moment that I laugh about now. <laughs> definitely wasn't funny at the time. Oh, not at all. You know, I was a uh, comm soldier attached to a special forces unit yeah. and something gets blown up and takes our comms out. Yeah. And it's like, Bergen, grab one of your guys. You guys need to go get it back up. And I'm looking, like, <laughs> you understand it's down because someone blew it up. Right, right. Why are you sending me towards it? Wait, I ain't got no switch, no server. I ain't got no cable. What you doing? <laughs> but that's the reality. Like you said, the gift, the structure, yeah. the ability to stay locked in to what wow. the mission required. Yep. Regardless of the foreseeable, you know, danger. And I think, you know, life is supposed to have seasons and supposed to have changes. And I think you just talked us through just the reality of utilizing what's already imparted in us, you know, utilizing the leadership, the service, you know, the diligence, you know, the values, and just really taking it back out to the marketplace with a heart to serve. And it's okay. It's okay to make money and to have value out of you giving your best work. Right. To those who need your your products or services. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this, because I know you do a lot of mentoring, a lot of coaching. How do people typically connect with you to join into your coaching program, to join into your coaching community? And I know you, you're super busy. So what is the process to start those connections? Like you mentioned earlier, just the website, RoadFireLLC.com. Mm-hmm. Also, and that's just to get the general information. We do, we have a contact tab on the website as well. I'm open because I have a heart to serve. Anyone that emails me will definitely spark up that conversation. Right. Yeah. The our email is royalfireLLC at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. My wife and I check that diligently. You know, we're always you know hitting the refresh. We don't want to miss any opportunity to serve, any opportunity nice. to be transparent, any opportunity to just be a blessing to somebody. Yeah. yeah you know, and like I said, you know, we're always open to start that conversation with the coaching, with, you know, with just the uh, coming out and to serve in any capacity. Right. Right. And I think that's so important because, you know, at times people don't truly have a foundational heart for the work. And right. because we have a personal relationship, I know you definitely have a heart for the work. You know, a lot of the projects and, and the uh, areas that you serve in specifically, you know, your work with youth, your work with student athletes, you know, I'm always touched by it because, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, and and congratulations on your your new baby. But I was like, I ain't got no baby. (laughs) You know, like, so when I get the, uh, Bernard, are you going to come speak to the kids? I'm like, what kids? Right, right. (laughs) But, you know, and I say that jokingly, and I do have 24 nieces and nephews, so they're all yanking me and jumping on me and, and doing what they're supposed to do. But I always value men and women like yourself, your wife, who go out, talk to students, talk to our young people. So t- to just remind them of their role as tomorrow's leaders and to just remind them that we need them. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm always touched by that specific part of your work in business. Why has that been so important for you to do? Because I, I'd see you even 
as well. Like you'd be paid to come in and you look for a student engagement as well that you can do for free since you're going to be in the city anyway. Right. And again, I'm learning that from you because <laughs> like uh, the kids, you know, I think it's a, a credible example. And I would love to hear uh, your heart for the work. Uh, you know, even with that, man, it's um, the one thing that really drew me to want to speak to the youth is you know, even just my transformation from, you know, being in high school, you know, growing up in Compton, California, mm-hmm. you know, single parent home, grew up in the projects, your examples are very limited. Mm. You have the athletes and, you, you know, you have the entertainers and then, uh, you know, you walk outside and you see the, you see the gangster, you see, you know, you see the drug dealer, you see the deadbeat dad sitting out there, you know, drinking and yelling at his kids. Yeah. And even the schools that I go to, everyone's story is not that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I go there and I speak to all the students, but I'm really looking for the heart of the one that is going through that. I'm, you know, open to speak to anyone. Even when I tell my story, I hope that it resonates with anyone that's, you know, that's going through anything similar yeah. to, to just that story. You know, being in a situation where you don't have all the resources, you know, you don't have the, the, the money, you don't have mom and dad that have the, you know, the trust fund, you don't have, you know, just the certain things that can make you favorable. When I go to the schools, you know, I, you know, and it took me a while to actually get to the schools, honestly, because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I want to speak to men. I want to speak to the masses. I want to speak to the world. Right. And every single time I was always brought back to seeing, you know, middle school and high school students. And I kept trying to figure out what, what was missing. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the increase in suicide. You see the increase wow. in behavior issues. And I said, what's missing? And one day I was just driving past the school. I'm at a stoplight. Some told me, look to your left. I looked to my left and I saw a high school and I saw a bunch of students getting out of school and they, the students are out there fighting. You know, you saw a big crowd around there out there fighting and immediately I got a, a disgusting taste in my mouth. Oh, wow. And immediately it was, if you would have listened to what I gave you a month ago, you could have went to that school and that would have never, never happened. You could have been the individual to speak to those boys, to tell them they're kings. Mm. To tell them this behavior that they're that they're doing is not what kings are supposed to do. It's not what leaders are supposed to do. Wow. And ever since then, man, it's just been one of those. You have to go into these schools and speak life. Yeah. I wake up and I say, OK, who can I who can I speak to? That? How can I be an example today? Because I can be the voice in an individual's life when at the moment when they're getting ready to take those pills, mm-hmm. to pick up that gun, to pick up that razor, to pick up that knife, to say something that that guy said stuck with me. He told me that I'm more than this. Right. That's why I go to these schools and speak. That's why I pour myself into these students because in a time more than ever, they need it. They absolutely need it. It was really difficult for me not having a father specifically because I played sports all my life. I was around men who wanted to pour into me. But it's just something that it's just a barrier you put up when you don't have a father. I'm thinking every man that I every man that I come in contact with is going to lead me like my father did. Hmm. Every man that I come in contact with, you know, you're just here to get something. Oh, and wow. Gonna leave. Oh, wow. So, you know, that's also another reason. I want to be that, that male figure in their life that will never leave them. That's powerful. Because, you know, I know what it looks like. I know how it feels. Yeah. yeah. That's my heart for the students. That's why I, I want be, to be that catalyst to change their life. Yeah. Yeah. So moms, dads, teachers, administrators, Again, RoyalFireLLC.com. Head over, sign up for his newsletter, sign up for one of the programs. Again, his heart for the work. And like I shared, you know, I'm I was sharing in jest, but I've watched it and, and you just have a deep heart for the work. And that story just, wow, so transformational. Yeah. 
most people see some, a group of kids fighting and we just kind of charge it to the game. We charge it to the wow. culture, we charge it to the age range. And, and, <laughs> boys and will be boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boys yeah. will be boys. And you do the exact opposite. You reverse engineer it and you figure out how you can make sure that when they're leaving, that tearing down each other right. is, is not their option. You Absolutely. know, they are kings. They, they are our future leaders. You know, yeah. they are the people that we're going to need to be the doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs. Um, and if we don't empower them to start the journey now, that they can fail to truly connect with, yeah. with who they need to become. Yeah. Now, I love that you uh, shared that, but I like the contrast of would the 18 year old you, you know, would he like this version of you? Would he, you know, would he listen to this and say, you know what? I really, you know, trust this guy. You know, I really, you know, like what he's saying. And, you know, I figure he's going to be around and be there. Or would he just kind of be like, I'm 18, I'm an adult, I'll figure it out on my own. It's interesting. The 18-year-old me, at the age of 17, God gave me a vision that I was going to be, become a pastor. Oh, wow. From 17 to about, I'll say 19, before I went to college, I was trying to soak up all the information that I could. Hmm. And I think that the me now, if I went back and talked to the 18-year-old me, he would definitely listen. Oh, wow. He would okay. definitely listen. I'm a big person on notes. So when I interact with people now, you know, almost, <laughs> almost 14 years later, I still pick up a pen and pad and I still write down what people are giving me at what they're pouring, even if it has nothing to do with my profession or me at all. Right. I still pull out the nuggets because it's, it's essential. Yeah. Um, yeah. The 18 year old me would definitely listen. The 19 year old me would definitely not. I would, so it, it's weird that that small time frame of just 10, 11 months, 12 months, you know, how a person can change. 18 year old me would listen to Donovan now. 19 year old me was in a different space and it, w- it wouldn't have been so well. So, you know, I can't skip over that because yeah. I'm always shocked when <laughs> someone's 18 year old self would listen because I would have been stubborn. I would have been like, look, you can't tell me nothing. Yeah, yeah. Then you, you go on a transformation in 11, 12 months. And yeah. the 18-year-old you would listen, but the 19-year-old you would say, get the out of my face. Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about that transition. Graduated high school, 4.3 GPA. You know, top of my class, valedictorian. I mean, you know, <laughs> and it's amazing that you, that's, your reaction is exactly how, I, when I tell it to the high school students, I tell it to the administrators, they're like, yo, what? <laughs> Graduated 4.3 GPA, got accepted, not got, no, got letters of acceptance to 46 colleges and universities across the country. Mm. I go to my first year at the University of California, Riverside, and with the assumption that, hey, you know, you're the man. 4.3 GPA, you can go in, you can go to any college and just and murder it and murder it. The one thing that's essential when I, when I talk to young men, young women, there has to be some pieces, there has to be some tools in your toolkit it keep you when things go bad. Mm-hmm. My first semester, uh, you know, at, at a four-year university, I'm talking about I, I blew it. I blew it. I finished my first semester with a, a 1.6, 1.7 GPA. I finished my second semester with a with a 2.0 just to get above academic probation. That was the ebb and flow for my first mm-hmm. my first couple mm-hmm. of years. Yes. So you th- you look at someone with a 4.3 GPA, valedictorian, top of the class, student body president, captain of this, captain of that. You go from being the man in high school to a subpar student that's getting ready to get kicked out. Mm-hmm. So right away, I go from 18-year-old me who would have listened to a 19-year-old me who wouldn't have cared anything in the world besides trying to hide his pain and mask his depression. 
Mm-hmm. At 19, I, I fell into a state of depression because it was a huge hit to my ego. And the tool that I was missing was a father figure to tell me, hey, son, life's going to hit you. Mm-hmm. Life's going to kick you while you're down. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. The first thing I went to when I was down was to give up. Mm-hmm. And, and, not, you know, and I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying single parent homes don't work. I'm not saying mothers can't do you know, just as good of a job. Yeah. But understand what I'm saying is there has to be pieces and tools in your toolkit and somebody to tell you don't don't give up. Mm-hmm. Persevere when things get tough. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was missing. So, you know, 19 year old me just fell into depression. Wow. 19 year old me fell into alcoholism. Wow. And I wouldn't have listened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now I looked at, looked at him and try to figure out, OK, are you going to buy my drink or what are you going to do? Mm. I love that you gave that transition because, you know, eight, you know, and that's I mean, oh, in 12 months, 11 months, that was the transformation from someone who got a vision to be a pastor at 17 to someone who was trying to coerce 21 year olds to buy his alcohol for. Mm. It was like, look, yeah, it, it's, I told my wife all the time, we laugh about it now, but she was saying, you know, you were using your gift then. You just didn't see it. You mean to tell me a 19 year old can walk up to a 21 year old, give them, give them the speech of their life and they go into a, a liquor store and they buy them a bottle of alcohol. Yeah. Your gift can be used to hurt and your, your, your gift can be used to heal. And, you know, you make the decision of that. Death and life wow. are in the power of the tongue. So, you know, like I say, even at, even at 19 years old, I was using the, I was using my gift, using my talent, but it wasn't, to, it wasn't to heal. Right. It was to hurt. It was to hurt. And it was mostly to hurt myself. Hmm. Now, in your book, Passage to Glory, do you touch on this process? Do you touch on the transformation from 18 to 19 19, through the journey that has placed you on stages around the world, giving you world travel, you know, a family? Do you really go deep with what you just shared? Because what you just shared is transformational. Yeah, I definitely do. And, you know, what I I do, and not only do I go deep into that and I kind of talk about the alcoholism, I walk through what I went through to get out of that. Mm. I walked through step by step the, the things that I did to get me from the kid mindset to the king mindset. Wow. I walked through, I walked through, you know, just the, the steps. I walked through the self-talk that you talked about earlier. I, talk, I, I walked through building relationships. I walked through, yeah. you know, understanding, understanding, you know, how to love yourself. To so walk through, why am I doing this? <laughs> why am I here? I walked through all of that, man. So, yeah, Pastors the Glory is, you know, it's one of those books that, you know, even when I got the word to write it, I was nervous. Mm. You know, I was scared. You know, I, I was like, I can't write. I can't do this. I don't want to be transparent to the world. And what right. I needed to happen, what needed to happen was it was someone's going to need this. You have to write. it. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm still stuck on 4.3 to 1.9. <laughs> and the 18 year old me was all in. Yeah. Believe in what I heard, believe in what I heard in my spirit, believe in the life of a pastor. The 19 year old you was less turn up. Turn I'm, yeah. yeah, man. And exactly how, how, how you are, are thinking about it is exactly how it went. Wow. Exactly how it went. You know, I had friends in high school that were, you know, you know, you got the, the yearbook most likely to succeed and the next this and the next that. And the next time they saw me. I was standing there, you know, trying to give them, you know, two bottles of, uh, of alcohol, trying to, you know, at, you know, tell you, hey, what's up? We're going to turn up or not? Right, 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 and, right, right, right. You know, it's interesting because a lot from age of 19 to the age of 28 was, for me, a blur. 
it was a blur because I spent all, I spent all that time an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I spent that, you know, all that time, you know, living life just by accident, by happenstance. If I woke up, I woke up. If I did something positive today, I did something positive. You know, and that that was the reality I lived in for, you know, you know, that stretch of time. Yeah. Until, you know, again, I talk about this in the book, but, you know, until you actually sit down and you say, man, what are you doing? Right. Until you look yourself in the mirror and you really have a heart to heart. You have a, you know, not just a, a fleeting glance of, hey, what you doing? Oh, I'm doing this. You walking by. But you really, you know, you're peering into the depths of your own soul and you're trying to seek out what was buried in that hole nine years ago. Wow. That's what really kicks out the transformation for me to get out of that was saying you were built for more than this. The same passion I gave, the same passion in that conversation I gave myself when I was 28 is the same passion I give it to the youth when I go talk to them. Wow. You know, I have I got the tears and the flames in my eyes because I'm saying, you know, you, know, you were built for more. Yeah. Built for more than, you know, having pictures on, on, on social media of you of you turning up. You were built for more than that. Right. You know, if you turn it on or you're you going to die like this and, then, you know, you're going to die like every other man that you've seen growing up in the hood. Wow. With a bottle in your hand and less money in your pocket. Yeah. With no family, with no hope. Yeah. Turn it on. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this, and then I'm going to go back to what you just said. Yeah. One of your most popular IG posts is when you posted that taking the throne became more important than my next drink. <laughs> and I think you unpacked that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if there's more, you know, I'd love to hear it. That happened around the time when I uh, kind of had that conversation. You know, like I said, just from being, being, you know, just engulfed in alcoholism from 19 to 28, when I was in my junior year of college, life had poured on me so much that I, you know, didn't know how to handle it. Mm. My junior year of college, I, I tried to commit suicide. Once you're in that space, you know, it's really hard to get out. Mm. You're in that hole and it's really hard to, you know, you see, again, we talk about the light. You know, I don't want to make it seem like that light is always so positive. Sometimes you see the light and you drink yourself till it goes dark again. And that's what I was doing. Wow. You know, so... By the skin of my teeth, I graduate with my degree. I think I, I, t- I showed my wife my transcripts and, you know, she was thinking I was just this smart, just brilliant guy because I graduated with my degree. I graduated with a 2.2 GPA. Mm. And everybody, you know, no one, no one really asks those questions. Graduate college and I, you know, go to the military. And I'm thinking, yes, the military is going to change me. The military is going to make me this, you know, this pillar of society. And I fall deeper into alcoholism. Yeah, when you said that, the first thing I thought thought about was class six, no liquor tax. Absolutely. Oh, man. Absolutely. You know, so I go from turning up in college to being the guy who can drink anybody under the table to join the military. And it's like, ooh, challenge accepted. And, you know, it increased when you know, I go to Afghanistan, I come back and to remove the images and remove the bombs going off, to remove the mm-hmm. images of, of seeing blood in the clinic and seeing 18-year-old boys yeah, yeah legs missing 18 year old boys hooked up to machines you know i drank even more and it got to the point where you know i'll be transparent you know a functional alcoholic yeah you know put the uniform on still being proud to you know to serve my country but but there were some demons that i was still to bury yeah you know that post came from me being at the time i had just hit one year sober you know no alcohol whatsoever at all Mm. and at a certain time when i gave myself that talk I had to understand that as a king, there's some things you just mm. don't do. Come on. As a leader, there are some things you just don't do. Yeah. And I'm not condoning anyone that does drink. If you do, 
great. But I want you to be mindful of the image you're you're portraying. If you are partaking, I want you to be mindful of, you know, the legacy that you're leaving. There's nothing wrong with it. But for me, my throne was more important than me going to the class six, going to the liquor store, going to these events and getting drunk. It was more important. Even if it was something as small as a wine or something as small, it was more important because I know that on that throne, I need to be of sober mind, of sober heart. I don't want to be the individual that goes back into that hole and tries to commit suicide. My kingdom was more important to me, was more important to me than drinking. Like I mentioned, I, you know, the kingdom I wanted to build, or wanted to build was not one of the ones that I saw that I saw growing up. Yeah. I needed to be that example for my troops. I needed to be the example in that uniform. I needed to make sure that, you know, wherever I went, I was I was a pillar of integrity. That when, you know, that when I walk into the office, you know, to the enlisted club, when I walk into these venues, they saw me. They say, oh, hey, that's Sergeant Xanders. I wonder if he drinks. And I'm sitting down drinking water. For them, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm able to have conversations. I'm able to stop certain things from happening because mm. just without me saying anything, that is my kingdom. In uniform, outside of uniform, when I go to schools, when I talk to my troops, when I hold leadership training, I don't want my kingdom on my throne to be tainted by them saying, Oh, hey, you know, you're, you're giving leadership principles. What is there anything, you know, with, with leadership and, and you, you know, having 12 drinks at the at the E-Club? Mm. So now my credibility is shot because they know right after the class, I'm going to go have a couple beers. Mm. My kingdom, my throne was was more important, was more important than that next drink I took. And, it, you know, it all started with that. What you immediately made me think of was that you did this while on active duty. Still facing the hard things, still facing the trauma. And I remember one time, I'm telling myself, it was a safety brief. And the commander is telling us the basics. Don't drink and drive being one of the huge basics. And I make a face for a microsecond. (laughs) And she catches it. And she's like, Bergen, do you have something to say? I was like, no, ma'am. She was like, grab a battle buddy, you head to my office. And I was one of the older enlisted uh, soldiers. (laughs) So she was like, what was that face about when she finally gets there? I was like, nothing, man. She's like, Bergen, permission to speak freely. I was like, ma'am, I've been like, ma'am, I'm 25 years old. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've been hearing this the <laughs> military, and I yeah. don't get it. Like, I'm an adult. I'm not going to drink and drive. I don't want to get in a car accident. Right. And she was like, you think we say this because we want to? And then she asked her um, XO to go get the stat sheet for the entire training base. Yeah, come on. All the the uh, drunk driving incidents that soldiers were in for the last month. Yeah. And I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and I'm looking at the numbers and looking at her. And I was like, don't worry about safety briefs from now on. I got you. Yeah. Yep, man, look. Because I didn't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, everybody's like, well, why do we, why do we get briefed so hard on it? And it's like, like with anything. Why do we get told, you know, by, by all these speakers, to understand what you're wise. Why do we get told by these speakers to these, these simple principles? Yeah. Because people still don't get it. Right. Right. And the more and more I go around and I, and I talk to people, the more and more I interact and I have relationships with people. It's, you know, and they may not be the same as my story, but it's something similar. There was something that, that, was, that was keeping them from being great, keeping them from, you know, living out the dream and the destiny that, that, they, that they were meant to live out. And it's always that one thing and it's always, you know, that, that holds them back. And it's always that transformation where something says, get out of there. Hmm. Your throne, your kingdom is more important than your, right. next, your next lie, your next 
deception, yeah. your next drink, your next, mm-hmm. you, you know, your next drug, your next whatever it is. Yeah. Your gift is more important than your next whatever. Right. And I love that. I love you sharing that story and just really helping others understand what we're trading. Yeah. You know, for that moment. And, and I'm not saying we haven't been through hard things. And I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. And I'm not saying that this is the step before it stops hurting. Right. But I love that with your life and your story, you're showcasing a choice yeah. and you're showcasing <laughs> what a sober mind and sober heart allows you to now do in terms of credibility, in terms of uh, creating the family stability that you want your children to grow up with, yes. being the type of husband you want to be, the type of leader that you are and continuing to showcase through your life before your words that you have the right to be on that stage. Yeah. It's amazing you say that because people look at the company you keep, people look at everything about you before they even speak to you. Yeah. And that's the one of the other things that, you know, especially being a speaker and, you know, being married, you know, I was very, very close to losing my wife as I was still drinking and things like mm-hmm. that. She came up to me and she said, you look just like my father, mm-hmm. not only, you know, in stature and attitude, but you know, my wife's father, well, you know, he used to drink very heavily as well. And she told me, and it's one of the things, this is, you know, again, this is, these are all the things that built up around the same time. She told me, she said, if you keep drinking, one, you're going to kill yourself. Mm. Two, you're going to lose me. That mm. so I grew up with this man in my life. Her, you know, her grandfather drank, her father drank, you know, her stepfather's drank. She told me, she's like, I will not continue my life as a grown woman around this. Either you fix it or I'm gone. Mm. And even around that time, when people see, and this is for the married folk, when people see your spouse, mm-hmm. they make assumptions about who you are. Wow. I could not have people look at my wife and see her upset, sad, defeated because I drank. They may not see anything wrong with me, but they see how my wife treats me, how my wife acts. Yeah. So now they're going to make connections between, okay, his wife is looking and acting like this. There must be something wrong in their home. I don't want, I don't, I don't want them to come speak to us. Right. So, you know, again, it may not even be about you. It may be about the other people you're affecting and people are watching those other people you're affecting. Yeah. That's why I say your gift, your calling, your throne is more important than your next whatever it is. Right. Right. So I'm going to have you do this. It's something I've, you know, I've always thought about ever since learning the numbers of the safety brief. I want you to take some time and just, you know, specifically around those who prefer alcohol as their drug of choice to just give veteran leaders people still on active duty, a safety brief. And I'll share one more story before you do that. I remember coming back from Afghanistan and we had the mandatory, you know, health check. And I remember we left one of the uh, rooms where we had to talk about how much we drank and things like that. And the gentleman sitting next to me, he was like, Bergen, the lady said I'm an alcoholic. And I'm looking at him like, (laughs) what did she say the number was that makes you an alcoholic? He was like, like eight drinks a day. And I was like, how far past that are you? <laughs> like, I mean, but I can hold my liquor though. Uh, and I was like, no, but, but literally how much yeah. drinks past eight are you? He was like, I, 24, you know, if the boys are over, you know, I'm at the crib, I don't drive. So if I fall asleep in the garage, and I'm just looking at him like, what did the lady say? Yeah. What if we believe her? Yeah. And fortunately for him, he took that to heart. You know, he said, I need to stop now. 
And it was amazing watching the transformation, health, fitness, all of that. But more importantly, his life, his fatherhood, watching the transformation because again, without the wake up call, without the safety brief, your new normal might be 24 drinks a night. Right. Functional, Absolutely. functional. Absolutely. Waking up, going to work every day, putting in a hard day's work, coming home. And doing it all over again. And repeat. So I'd love for you to just take some time and, and you know speak to those in our community who might need a safety brief specifically in this area. And I love that you shared it in a non-judgmental way, a judgment-free yeah. zone where it's like, hey, if you drink, you know, that's your right. However, how is it affecting those around you? Yeah, I mean, you know, if for those individuals, you know, that you're listening now or you're listening, you know, 10, 15, you know, 30 years from now, like you heard me say just, you know, previously, how is it affecting your dream, your goal and your aspirations? How is it affecting your children? And for some of you that might be listening, you may you may say, you know, where well, well, I'm a community leader. I'm a leader on the job. I'm I'm this, I'm that, I'm all these things. But understand at some point in time, all that runs out. Mm-hmm. All that runs out. And the more and more you drink, the less and less your foundation remains stable. Yeah. The more and more you drink, the less and less your credibility stay, stays stable. There's going to come a time. I'm not saying it might be, you know, the next time you go out. I'm not saying the next time, that, you know, the, the next couple of times you go out. Right. I can promise you this, my friend. It will run out. Hmm. Do not find yourself looking back five, 10, eight drinks from now, 15 drinks from now, 24 drinks from now and thinking, how'd I get here? Right. Don't get there. I love that. Control it, maintain it. Remember why. Remember why you have the gift. Remember why. Remember why you want to be an amazing father, an amazing mother, an amazing husband, amazing wife. Remember why. And try to figure out does alcohol, (laughs) alcohol help that or does it hurt that? Yeah. Wow. Love that. Blown away by that. And, And thanks for for being so clear and going so deep in that space. I know that's going to help so many veteran leaders make a difficult decision at first, yeah. a life-changing decision as the days continue to add up yeah. and families are going to thank them for what you said. So I want to be the first to say thank you for sharing that, sharing your story, sharing your journey and sharing the decision to do the hard work. I always tell people it's one thing to do the hard work, but you also have to do the hard work. And Absolutely. Thank you for showcasing your hard work and leading others, you know, to a platform where they can take their thrones and be the leader in their homes, their communities that they're always uh, called to be. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. All right. So I'll I'll tap into this. And who do you follow online for inspiration? Who do you (laughs) follow online to just keep you performing, functioning, looking at life and zoning in and locking in on your targets at the highest level. And I'd love your top three, top 10, if you have it. And, um, you know, I just always like learning the habits of of world-class leaders and world-class speakers. Who are Um, they? I mean, it's it's a lot, man. You know, so I, you know, I'll give you just a couple of names, you know, for everyone who's listening, just to go and check them out. Pastor Stephen Furtick, he's a pastor at Elevation Church in North Carolina. Of course, Bishop T.D. Jakes, Uncle Miles Monroe, he's a a legend. (laughs) Uncle Les Brown, legend. The three that I really zone in on, Jeremy Anderson, he's one of the uh, speakers on um, ETA, on the, on the uh, Speaks with ET, on the Stay Ready Tour, Jeremy Anderson uh, on the East Coast, phenomenal speaker. I gravitate towards him a lot because not only is he, you know, he a minister, he's a minister, he's a pastor, but he also goes into schools and he just wrecks shop. And I love it. You see my face? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all have guns. That's why you gravitate right, right, right. Like, y'all just like this, like all day. Man, look. <laughs> oh, man. He's, he's full up, but, you know, he's, he's phenomenal. 
Yeah, you know, the fact that he is so real, he's so transparent, it gives me hope to just continue to continue to do what I've been called to do. Of course, uh, Dr. Eric Thomas. Right. Is, uh, you know, I've been following him for years now. He is absolutely phenomenal. The one thing that allows me to gravitate towards him, you know, is one is his integrity. Mm. And, and two, because he's not ashamed to express who God is in his life. Right. Even you know, no matter where he goes, corporate, wherever it is, you know, he always finds a time and a place to do that, but he never shies away from giving honor where honor is due. Right. And that's one of the things that I had I struggled with beginning is like, how do I still be a man of God? How do I still serve and use my gift and not seem like, you know, I'm Peter out here saying, I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know him. Right. So, you know, but so Dr. Eric Thomas, uh, of course, David Shands, I'm in his coaching group. He's dropping gyms all day. Um, some other folks, of course, Mr. Bergen. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate that. Humble. Um, Brian Thomas, phenomenal. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things, man, where, you know, and honestly say, and I told Bernard before we started, man, I'm absolutely humbled that he you know, gave me the opportunity to just share his platform to be on this podcast because it's one thing to listen to someone, to really be, you know, invested in them. It's another thing to share their platform. So I know for me, this is just a humbling experience. And I'm like, man, this is next level. Okay, what's next? <laughs> you know, because, you know, you know, and just for everybody listening, you, know, you can reach out to Bernard just to talk to him. You know, he and I have had conversations and he's poured life into me and it's been you know, absolutely amazing. So if you get a chance, please, please, please get with Bernard, get everything that he has to offer. He is a pillar. He is a staple. He is a, he's a, an amazing mentor, man. And, you know, again, I appreciate it, Bernard. But yeah, those, those are my three. Those are my three. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I love that you're sharing that. And I think at times, even when we're excelling, we tend to want to do it in isolation, even sometimes mentally. And you shared that, no, Bernard, there's people I look to, there's people I pull from, there's people I learn from yeah. and people I'm mentored by. And I think what you touched on with uh, David Chans and his coaching community, Jeremy Anderson, Dr. Eric Thomas, I think it's, it was important for you to share that as well. Because at times people hear someone as positive, as well-spoken, as uh, clear with his message as you. And they assume that certain things can't be trained and certain gifts can't be sharpened. And I think you're showcasing that there's a process in in sharpening the gift. Oh, yeah. I I was uh, talking to someone the other day and they said, you know, you know, you got to understand everybody who follows sports. Kobe Bryant had two jerseys retired, two jerseys, two different numbers, 80 and 24. Come on. For him to have, and it's never been done, you know, very, I don't think it's really ever been done before for someone to have two separate, a sense, two separate careers and both be just as phenomenal as the last. Yeah. The numbers in the championships at, at number eight are close, if not equal to the number of championships, in, you know, in accolades is 24. But yet still, Cody Bryant still had a coach. Yeah. He still had a shooting coach. He could hit a layup with his eyes closed, but he still had someone put him through the rigors of training. Yeah. For the layups, for the jump shots, for the left yeah. hand, for the right hand. He still has he still had a coach. Right. So no matter how great you get, no matter how phenomenal, you know, that you are, there still needs to be someone that's on the outside of the painting saying, You missed yeah. the spot. You missed yeah. the spot. Let's go back. Let's refine this brushstroke. You know, there's always gonna be someone outside the frame looking in saying, Hey, you know, you can be better. And that's one of the things that, you know, I take to heart is finding people who can yeah. make me better. And yeah. I can serve no matter how big I get. Who can I serve? Who can right. I serve? Right. I love that. And I love that you, you, know, you took the time to help us to understand that, to become a legend yeah. like a Kobe Bryant, to become a legend like a Donovan Zanders, to become a legend like a Dr. Eric Thomas, a Jeremy Anderson, 
if you don't have coaching, if you don't have mentors, if you don't have someone on the outside of the frame, that you're going to just have blind spots that build up over time and that tunnel vision will get you stuck. And I love that you shared that. Now, in closing, you know, we had an amazing conversation and I thank you for just extending the time a bit and, and just sharing your heart, because I think what you shared, just your journey and your amazing climb to who you are today, family man, businessman, uh, service member. I think we all needed to hear it. And you can't rush the wisdom that you were really unleashing on the community. But I'm going to ask you to do do one better and give us even more wisdom. Because again, I I believe that our veterans and whether you retire or you leave the service after one enlistment, like I did, you're going to be a veteran at some point. And I I believe veterans are the future of our country, not because there's some special status that's just conferred on us. But I really believe that, you know, when you're able to put your life on the line for others, that's, Mm. that's something happens within you that can never be unlearned or untrained. And I believe that if we continue to serve beyond the uniform, that we will literally shift the conversation around what our country is known for. And we will really take it to new levels. Absolutely. I'd just love for you to just take some time, share, you know, where people can connect with you besides uh, royalfirellc.com. And also just some parting words of wisdom, guidance for the veteran leaders community. The one takeaway is to never, never lose that servant mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, the major thing that I've, I've developed is my heart to serve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that started when I put the uniform on. Wow. You, know, you have to understand the climate that we're in. Everyone doesn't appreciate and love the military like, you know, like the majority thinks they do. Right. Yet still, you know, if you ever put the uniform on, you serve or you're serving a country that as, as sometimes its citizens don't love you back. Mm. And you still bleed for the flag. Right. You still lose sleep for the flag. You still lose sleep for those individuals that curse your name every time that, uh, uh, you know, a commercial comes on the TV. They turn it off and they, you know, they tell their children to never say thank you for your service, to never shake your hand, to never want to even be put in that position. That's yeah. a servant mindset. Yeah. You know, in uniform, outside uniform, you're a, you have a heart to serve. Never lose that. Never, no matter, no matter what leadership training you go to, no matter what you, you venture to, even after you take the uniform off, you always will have that, that, that servant mindset. Yeah. That heart to serve others. I love being in the service. Yeah, I love putting the uniform on. I love not my name on my chest. I love seeing the branch of service that I serve. Oh, wow. You know, on my chest, because for me, it's a constant reminder like that, that you know, it's not Xander's mm. that's putting the work in. It's not Xander's. It's the branch of service. Mm-hmm. And you've been an integral part of that. You being a tool to make sure for me, I'm, I'm in the United States Air Force. You know, you're a tool to allow us to remain the world's greatest Air Force. I'm a calm guy, you know, by trade. So, you know, you're a tool in, in getting those jets off the ground to go give oh, to yeah. my brothers in arms aid. Life becomes easier once you, once you continuously have a servant mindset. Mm-hmm. The higher you get in the ranks, mm-hmm. serve, 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 serve. Yes. So once you get out and you take the uniform off and you, tra- you trade it in for a suit, you trade it in for a blazer and jeans, you trade it in for, you know, a polo shirt and some jeans. Right. It never, it never changes your heart to serve. Come on. You wrote a blank check. And once you get out, you still are, are writing that blank check because other people need you. Like Bernard said, we are the world's greatest resource. Mm. It's a gift and a talent that we have that not many other people get. 
Right. Continue to have that servant mindset. Continue to serve with your heart. Continue to put your life on the line for your clients. Continue to put your life on the line for students, mm-hmm. for your partners, for wherever it is. Continue to do the same thing you did in uniform. Put your life on the line. And I guarantee you'll see you'll see amazing return on that investment of service. A couple of places, like Bernard said, to, to find me, of course, you know, RoyalFireLLC.com. I'm also uh, RoyalFire1 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Bernard will put my Instagram on there, but I'll tell you guys anyway, it's a Royal underscore Fire underscore. All those platforms will have all my content, all my contact information, any way you can reach me. My email is RoyalFireLLC at gmail.com. We operate in transparency and love. And so, you know, whatever you have, whatever information you want to share, whatever, you know, if it's a prayer request, <laughs> contact us. Mm-hmm. Anytime you, if you have a, if you have students you want us to come pour life into, contact us. We are here to serve. We are here to elevate, empower, and inspire. I love it. Elevate, empower, inspire. Students, parents, teachers, administrators, business owners, Yeah, you will want to head over to RoyalFireLLC.com, connect with Donovan, connect with his team, know that they're here to serve. And here's the duality. Donovan is doing 40 for 40. And I I always clap for people doing 40 for 40. 40, serving our country every single week. And let's be real, way over 40. Way over 40. (laughs) I'm going to say 40, so I feel good. You know what I'm saying? So, So I feel good. Yeah. So 40, and then building this company, father, family man, community leader. Donovan, we thank you for your work. We thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for reaching out. Humble to know you. Humble to see you live what's in your heart, despite the days where the road seems like it has more speed bumps and potholes than uh, pavement. (laughs) And know that's why you're in the Air Force, because you're going to fly above it anyway. Hey, I love it. I love it. That's a nugget. I love it. <laughs> no, no, I really thank you, Bernard, man. Just share your just share your platform and you know, just to, to see the see the growth transformation and to even just dig deeper into who you are as a man. It's phenomenal. And I'm actually, I'm humbled. And I thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And uh get back to the baby, give your wife a break. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a long Friday. <laughs> well enjoy your weekend, Don, and then hit me up if you need anything. Absolutely, we'll do so. All right, take care. Yes, sir. Thank you.